Thank you, Jesus. Blessed in Jesus' name. Everybody say, I'm blessed. Blessed. Come on, declare it. Say, I'm blessed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Woo, man. Are you blessed? Praise God. You're not going to be overcome in life. There ain't no wave big enough to take you out. Praise God. Well, I want to share an exciting word with you tonight. So get your Bibles out and go, if you would, to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14. Verse uh, 22, Matthew 14, 22. Now, she was just singing this, and I, I tell you, my wife and I, we don't, we don't plan what I'm preaching and what she's singing. We don't do that, because if we did, we'd really get messed up. But it always amazes me how the Holy Ghost works everything around and, you know, makes it all work out. And so... I want to look at this story of Jesus walking on the water for just a second before I get into where I'm headed tonight. And so I'm going to start reading verse 22. It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat to go before him to the other side. Now, while he sent the multitude away, and when he had sent for the multitude away, he went up onto the mountain by himself to pray. Now, the evening came and he was alone there and the boat was in the middle of the sea tossed by the waves for the wind was contrary. Anybody ever had a contrary wind? Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus said unto them, Be of good cheer. It's I, do not be afraid. Now, I, of all the miracles, you know, like I really believe when we get to heaven, we're going to get to see these miracles. We're going to get to see the DVDs or whatever they have in heaven, you know, that we get to look and see how this really took place. And this is one story that I really want to know. How did Jesus walk in the water? Because I, I think about it a lot. And it's like, was the water hard? You know, and, did, and, it, and it says there were waves. And so did the waves split? Was there just a sidewalk? You know, how did it work? Uh, you know, I don't know. I just, I'm just really curious about this. And I don't have any, <laughs> any even suggestion to you about how it happened, okay? But anyway, he came to him walking on the water. And so then Peter looks out and he says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, what inspired Peter to, to, to be so bold as to say, you know, I want to walk on water. You're with me? Now, I don't know if it was his ego. I don't know if it was just like, hey, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. He's walking on the water. I want to walk on the water. Lord, command me to come to you. And so, you know, the story goes on. It says, so he said, well, come, come on. That's so amazing to me that Jesus is like, Peter, sit in the boat and shut up. It's all about your ego. You know, you just, you're, 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 Peter, you're so fleshly. He didn't say nothing like that. He said, oh, come on. And I've always wondered about Peter stepping out. What was it like? You know, because if you've ever been on a boat and somebody's going to step out of the boat, you know, there's the boat rocks and tilts. And, and so, like, what did he do? Did he, like, was he hanging over and, and you know, like, tested the water with his foot and said, hey, it's hard, guys. It's like a sidewalk. I mean, I don't know. But I can just, I want to see this. I want to see what it looked like. So then Peter came down out of the boat. He walked on the water going to Jesus. So apparently Jesus had to be some distance or it, maybe not, you know, he could have just been right there and Peter only took a few steps before he got scared. I don't know. But 
He said, he came down to the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, that it was boisterous, he was afraid and he began to sink. It didn't say he just went bloop into the water. He just began to slowly blue, 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 blue. He's stinking down, right? And so he cried out, Lord, save me. I mean, why was he saying save me? So that's why it made me think that maybe he's far away from the boat because he was just right there on the other side. He could have just crawled back on the boat, right? So maybe he was some distance out. And I really don't, you know, unless... Peter couldn't swim, but I don't know. He's a fisherman. I think he could swim. So anyway, but he was he was concerned. And immediately the Lord stretched out his hand. So he must have been close or Jesus went like Jesus is here. And Peter said, he goes, you know, I don't know. But he was just right there. Picked him up out of the water. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him and said, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. So they when I read the story and again, I'm not trying to put Robert Richards in this. I'm just trying to just. Tell the things I think about. So if they were out there and then Jesus and Peter went back to the boat, well, then they must have walked together. Right. So while Jesus is holding Peter's hand. Oh, this is good. While Jesus is holding Peter's hand, Peter's walking on the water. Right. So he started out on his own and then he starts to sink. And he's do, 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 do. And then all of a sudden he's like, help me, Lord. And he's got him. And now when he walks back to the boat, he's walking on the water. While Jesus is there. Hello? Okay. So now I want you to go to Psalms 107. This will all make sense in a second. Mainly because I just got it. So Psalms 107, 23. Psalms 107, 23. It's a scripture that I love. The Lord birthed this in my heart years and years and years ago. And uh, I've always held on to it. Matter of fact, I quote it almost every night. I have a picture on my wall with a ship sailing in the ocean. And it says, those who go down to the sea, it's Psalms 107.23, if I didn't tell you that. Psalms 107.23. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. And so what happened is, you know, I began to years and years ago, meditate on this scripture and think about this scripture, what it's saying. And I began to think about a sailing ship. And, you know, now we have navigational stuff. Now you, you, you can pull up your computer. You can, you know, the guys flying their airplanes, they've got their little computers there, even the, the local guys, and they just tap in where they're going and pops the line. And as long as you stay on the line, you're there. But when Columbus sailed, when people before him sailed, they didn't have that. They had to, you know, go by the stars and, and, and use the sextant and all those kind of things to try to figure out where they were and what they were doing and where they were going. And, you know, if you look far enough back, you know, they still thought the world was flat. So they didn't know if they were just going to come up to an edge and then, you know, so they didn't know. And what guts it would have had to be, you would have to take to get on a boat. I mean, even if it was a big boat, the ocean is Huge. Sometimes just get your your on, on, on just do an internet search. Just do an internet search on facts about the ocean. Okay, it was funny because I looked up kids' facts about the ocean because you know I didn't want to get too deep in anything, and so I looked up the kids' facts about the ocean. Just amazing stuff. Okay, that that you know that obviously there's more ocean than there is land, right? There's greater mountain ranges in the ocean than we have on the earth. There's lakes, there's rivers. There is more wildlife in the ocean than there is on the land. 
There is, they know that there is so much wildlife in the ocean that's undiscovered, they don't even know what it is, Un, you know, totally undiscovered stuff. All right? And so there's all these facts about the ocean, but just imagine having enough guts to get in a boat and go out onto the ocean. This huge vast thing to those places where you get where you can't see anything but water. So they that go down to the sea in ships who do business on great waters, they'll see the works of the Lord. And what the Lord spoke to me about this scripture is that if you've got the faith to step out of the boat like Peter did, if you've got the faith to go do business on great waters with your faith for Jesus, he will always see that you see wonders in the deep. But you are not going to see wonders in the deep if you don't go to the deep. You can stand on the beachfront and look at the wonders of God. And if you never step out in faith, never believe God for miracles, never believe that he's going to bless your day, never believe he's going to prosper you, never believe you're going to, he's going to heal you, never believe that your situation is going to be better tomorrow, but then you know what? You're never going to see it. If the woman that touched the hem of Jesus' garment would have just said, ah, I guess this sickness will kill me. Ain't no sense trying to fight through the crowd, go down there and try to get to Jesus. She didn't have said that she'd have died. If Jairus would not have gone and got Jesus and asked him to come lay hands on his daughter, his daughter would have died. If the centurion wouldn't have sent for people to come for Jesus, he would have died. If blind Bartimaeus wouldn't have jumped up and shouted and yelled and threw off his beggar's garments and tried to get to Jesus, he would still be blind. Right? But it's those people who will go out onto the great waters of faith with God they're going to see great things. I was talking to a man the other day, and he was asking me about our church and this and that and the other. And, 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 and I, you know, I, I really, as a pastor, I, I'm, I'm very cautious when I talk to people because I don't, want to, I don't want to seem braggadocious, right? But I'm proud of our church. I'm proud of our faith and what we believed in. And so when someone starts pulling information out of me, you know, and they, I'm like, okay, you want to know? I'll tell you what we do. You know, yeah, we rescue orphans in Guatemala. And yeah, we just bought land to, over in Kenya to feed 1,000 kids. Yes, you know, we got services all over the world. We do all this, this, you know. Oh, well, really, how large is your church? I said, ah, you know, we're pretty small. Now, how many? You know what I'm saying? He said, how many? How many of you in your church? I said, ah, you know. I said, man, before COVID, we were, you know, we were gonna, I thought we were going to bust 200 this year. You know, about 100, 150 families is what we have. And he's just looking at me like, what? And I'm like, I, I just have to tell you, we do business on great waters. God has never asked me to do anything that we had the resources to do it. That would be so easy. And I've asked him to, well, can I have one that I can do? You know, that's not the absolute most impossible thing we've ever seen, you know? But you're not going to do business for God in your life if you're not willing to get out on the great waters, all right? So here we go. Now go to John 16, 7. I want to show you how to get out on the great waters. Man, this is a good message. I like in this one. I want to save it as my favorites. I want to give it a thumbs up. John 16, 7. 
You are never going, just hear me now, I'm just telling you like it is, I'm shooting, shooting straight tonight. You're never going to go do business on great waters until you learn to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You can be saved. You can know that your Father, your Heavenly Father loves you. You can know that Jesus saved you. But unless you understand and cooperate and learn to work with the Holy Spirit, you're never going to do business on great waters. That's the simple truth. And I'm always amazed so much as how people get afraid of the Holy Spirit, don't want to have anything to do with the Holy Spirit. Or they, they put the Holy Spirit in a little box and they say, well, it's just this Pentecostal thing. And, and they don't really understand the working of the Holy Spirit. So I want to read this to you, John 16, verse 7. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if, he, if I depart... I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And now let me tell you something about the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I love talking about the Holy Spirit. My life changed when I came into a revelation about the Holy Spirit. I heard all my life going to a church, God, the father, God, the son and God, the Holy Spirit. I, I could understand who God, the father was. I understood who Jesus was, but no one ever tried to attempt to, to explain to me the Holy Spirit. I didn't know what that was. I didn't really know. Didn't didn't for years and years and years and years. I began to read the Bible. I began to read in the book of Acts. If you want to know about how the Holy Spirit operates, read the book of Acts. And that is the acts of the Holy Spirit working through the, the apostles in those days. And that's what's happening. But I want to tell you something. The one thing I've learned about the Holy Spirit is there's, there's three areas that the Holy Spirit works in. He works in truth. He's not going to work in a lie. Listen, if you want the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you, he will not lead you and guide you if you're walking in a lie. Hello? If you want the peace and the power of God in your life, you have to walk in truth. That means even truth that God loves you. See, if you're walking in the truth that God doesn't love me, nobody cares about me, I'm a loser, I'm never going to make it, you're not walking in truth, you're walking in a lie. Well, the Holy Spirit doesn't work in those realms. Jesus will comfort you, but the Holy Spirit can't be power in your life and lead you because he only operates in truth. So if you want the Holy Spirit to operate and, and you want to learn the operation of the Holy Spirit and him working with you and talking to you and helping you and leading you and guiding you, you've got to operate in truth. So that means you have to rise up in the morning and say, I'm a son of God. I'm born again. I'm washing the blood of Jesus. Today, I'm going to walk in the fruit of the spirit. I'm not going to walk in the fruit of the flesh. You've got to walk in truth. And so many people miss this because they're like, Folks, I'm just telling you, you cannot get the Holy Spirit to cooperate with you if you're going to walk in a lie because it grieves him. And I'll get to that in a minute. All right. The second thing is, is that you've got to walk in righteous paths. In other words, the Holy Spirit's not going to work in something that is unrighteous. Right. So that gets into, uh, you know, Lying, manipulating, you're going to go try to, you know, manipulate a situation to go into your favor. Wife's going to manipulate the husband. Husband's going to manipulate the wife. Holy Ghost isn't going to get involved in that. It's not a path of righteousness. 
He won't operate in there. He isn't going to show up. He is not going to flow in your life in that way because you're walking in a path of unrighteousness and he does not walk in unrighteousness. You've got to understand God the Father sits on the throne. He's God. Jesus has been given the authority of the church in this world and all in it. You can go look at the scriptures. I don't want to go there right now, but go look at Ephesians 1.17 through 20 there and it'll teach, show you all that he's talking about. He's in charge of the church, all right? But the Holy Spirit, he said, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to intercede for all the saints. I'm going to be up there interceding for everything. But I'm sending you the power of the Holy Spirit to work in your lives. Acts 1.8, I'm going to do you with power. Do them as power. It's going to come on your life. But the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. He's not, he's not like a wisp of air. He's not like a good feeling. He's not like uh, the sweet smell of Jesus. He is a person as much as Jesus is a person, as much as God is a person, and he isn't going to hang around unrighteousness. And you know what? He doesn't have to. He's not bound by heaven to operate and be with somebody in unrighteousness. But the moment that person turns back to righteousness, he's there if they want him. They don't want him. He's not there. Jesus is always there. Do you know that? This is what's interesting that you really need to grab hold of. Jesus is always there for you. The moment he's as close as the mention of his name. You may not think Jesus is there, but if you say Jesus, he's there. But the Holy Spirit, it's not like that. The Holy Spirit's going to work with you. He is your helper. But if you're digging a pit, he's not going to help. Now, don't get all crazy on me. Don't, don't go out there and write me ugly letters and tell me my theology's all messed up. No, I'm a dude with the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God's only, always in me. Yeah, there's a measure of the Spirit of God in every born-again Christian. But I'm talking about the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, talking to you, speaking with you, giving you direction, helping you, influencing you, leading you, guiding you. I'm talking about a daily experience with the, with the third person of the Godhead talking with you. It's a difference. I'm not saying you're not saved. You know, don't, don't take and misquote me on that. But I was telling you, if you're digging a pit, the moment you say, Jesus, boom, he's there. But if you're digging a pit and keeping digging, the Holy Ghost, he's over there, you know, whittling under the tree. He ain't going to mess with that. Right? He's your helper. But he's not going to help you dig a hole. He's going to help you walk with Jesus. And then the third thing is... Uh, He's not going to operate in anything that's outside of God's will. So you can ask the Holy Spirit to, you know, kill somebody and he ain't going to do it. Right. He's not going to operate outside of the will of God, nor will he operate outside the will of God for you. Are you with me? In other words, if you really want to do something and it's all you, it's not really the will of God. He's not going to get involved in that. You know, if you want to be a, if you want a music career and you can sing pretty good, but you just really want a music career really because you just want to stand up on stage and let everybody say, listen to how great they are. Well, the Holy Spirit's not going to get involved in that because first it's, it's an unrighteous way. And then second, it may not be the will of God for your life. So he's not going to get involved in things that are not the will of God for your life. All right. So sometimes you don't like the will of God for your life. Like I, I've told you all this a thousand times. I really would do not want to be the pastor. 
I would rather be the flaming evangelist. I'd rather be sitting up a tent tonight. I'd rather be over there knowing that I was going to have a crowd of 20, 30, 40,000 people coming up and just spit flying and laying hands on people. I'd rather be that person. But that's not what the will of God was for me. And the only reason why I know that is because the grace of God's on me to do this. And I've seen fruit over the years. And so I know that this is the will of God for my life. And if I'd have gone the other direction, I'd have missed it. Right? So he's not going to get involved in those things. So you just have to understand that. So let me tell you how you get the Holy Spirit involved in your life. All right? Those are the areas that he's not going to be dealing with. He isn't going to get involved with them. All right? So I guess you could say, first, you have to repent if you're in those areas. But here's the first thing I want you to show you. Go to Psalms 42.1. Psalms 42.1. Psalms 42.1 says, As the deer pants for the water's brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is your God? Folks, listen to me. If you want to get the Holy Spirit flowing and talking to you and working with you in life and truly being your help. But the first thing you got to do is you got to get a heart that pants for God. You've got to care about having Jesus in your life, understanding the word of God, walking in the things of God. You've got to want and desire so much that it says that your tears day and night are your food because that's where you want to be. That's the person you want to be. And if you want the Holy Spirit to go and be right there with you, That's the kind of heart you need. Not a heart that says, well, I'm going to live like I want to, and if I get in trouble, then I'll ask you. No, it's a heart that beats and pants as a deer has to have water. So if you get a heart like that, because you see, I'm the preacher, all right? All I can do is preach to you. I can look at your faces and kind of hopefully, you know, See from your expressions what you may be thinking. And I could be wrong, right? I mean, if everybody's asleep, I'm like, holy cow, I must not be doing something right. But I mean, if people are looking at me on the edge of the seat, yeah, yeah, I'm saying, oh, man, they're getting it. And everybody's just like, oh, you know, then I'm kind of thinking, but I don't really know what your heart is. Only, Only God has the heart meter. Only he has the ability. Only the Holy Spirit has the ability to look into your heart and see what really is in your heart. And I know that in, in, in life, I have misjudged people before who really did have a good heart that I didn't really see it because of emotional hurts or pains within their life or the way they acted. But really on the inside of them, there was really a good heart down there. But see, I don't get the chance to see that. I only get to see the responses, you know, how many times people show up, who seems to be hungry, who will sacrifice, whatever, this and that and the other. You're right to, to make any kind of decision, but then I still don't really know the heart. But the Holy Ghost knows your heart. Right? First Corinthians uh, 2 Corinthians 2.10 tells us, and who knows the heart of, of man? The Holy Ghost. So you're not getting away with anything. You can't fool the Holy Ghost. He, the Holy Ghost knows. And I think that's why a lot of people don't want to have anything to do with the Holy Spirit, because they're like, I don't really want anybody to tell me anything you know. He might show me something that I don't really want to know. Right? So it's like, okay, we'll pray, but we'll pray like 
little lay me down to sleep prayers because we don't want to go too deep because I mean, my gosh, pray in tongues for a while. I mean, what if the Holy Ghost showed me something? Okay. And I mean, I, I, I'm, I've had the Holy Spirit talk to me and say, man, if you want me to stay around, you got to stop doing this. I mean, I've had the Holy Spirit reveal things in my own heart and say, you got to quit this. You got to quit thinking like that. You got to quit saying that. Don't say that ever again. I never forget. <clears throat> and, I, you know, I don't mind telling on myself because I know y'all are the same way because man all has the same things on the inside of them. And so I guess I grew up exaggerating. It was a cowboy thing, you know. My father, I think everybody, all of us were exaggerators, you know. And it got to be, you know, like a daddy say, hey, you know, like, how many cows got out? You know, I don't know. It was a whole herd, you know. Well, it may have been five, you know. But, I, you know, you just get telling them, how many, how many fish did you catch? How big was the buck? You just keep exaggerating, exaggerating, exaggerating. So then when I got saved and I started going to the jails and preaching, I started having this tendency. Somebody would say, hey, what went on in the jails? Man, it was great. How many people got saved? I don't know, man. It was a bunch. And I started catching myself that I was exaggerating. You know, it may have been five, but I was calling it a bunch because I felt like I needed to have more. It needed to needed to look better, like I was really doing something for the Lord. If you know, if you just said one person got saved, well, that's oh, one got saved. Okay, well, great. You know, oh, 17, you know, 17 look good, you know. And so I began to exaggerate. And one day the Holy Ghost checked me. I was coming home from the jails and I was driving in there and I was talking about it and I was talking to the Holy Spirit about it. And all of a sudden he checked me, said, man, you better not, you better quit lying. I said, lying? I said, I'm not lying. There's a big difference between lying and exaggerating. He says, no, it's not. You're just a liar. And I was like, man, that kind of hurts. That's kind of, that's brutal. He said, I don't care. I'm not going to hang around you if you don't quit lying. I was like, okay, I'd rather have you than, than whatever the opinion of man is of me. And then God delivered me of that, right? And so now I'm not, I'm not concerned. I, if, if it was one, it's one. If it's five, it's five. You know, let's get the numbers right. Uh, you know what I mean? Because the Holy Ghost, boom, he's going to do that to you. If you're going to walk with him, he's not walking. Like I said, those unrighteous paths, he's not going to be walking in lies. He's not going to be walking in manipulations. And so he's not going to change. You have to change. And I think that's where people don't want to walk with the Holy Ghost because he's going to tap you on the shoulder and say, <laughs> you better stop. Because I'll pick up my toys and go home. I ain't going to play with you like this. And he said, oh, that just can't be. God wouldn't do that to me. No, Jesus is still there. He's still right there interceding for you. He's still right there praying for you. Oh, no, no, no. You, he's, you turn your, your face towards Jesus, boom, he's there. But the Holy Spirit is not going to get in the middle of all your mess unless you're trying to get out of it. Because your heart is beating after the Lord. He'll stay there all day long with you if your heart's right. Okay. Let me show you this in an example. Acts chapter 5, verse 1, Ananias and Sapphira. Real good example here. All right, Acts 5, 1. Man, I'm already running out of time, and I ain't even got started good tonight. Acts 5, 1 says, But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira's wife sold a possession. He kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Huh. Isn't that interesting? He didn't say lie to Jesus, lie to the Father. He said, you're lying to the Holy Ghost. And keep back part of the price of the land for yourself. While it remained, was it not your own? And after it sold, was it not your own control? 
Why have you conceived this thing in your heart and lied not to men, but to God? So the Holy Spirit quickens Peter and he has this revelation. But when he questions Ananias, he says, man, listen to me. What you're doing is lying to the Holy Ghost. He's not going to put up with it. Now, Ananias could have just gone up and he could have sold the land for, you know, a thousand dollars and given five hundred and it'd been no big deal. But he sold it for a thousand, told everybody, no, sold it for a thousand, told everybody he sold it for five hundred and kept five hundred for himself. And the Holy Ghost knew it. See, his heart was wrong. The Holy Ghost knows the heart. And you know the story. Ananias, boom, drops dead. So. You got to understand, Jesus is making the plans. He's, he's got this plan for the church. He's got this plan for your life, but it's the Holy Ghost that's going to carry it out. And people forget that, that he's our helper. He's the one trying to carry out the plan of Jesus. And a lot of people are crying out and praying, Jesus, help me, oh God, help me. And the Holy Ghost is right there saying, I'll help you, but you're going to change some things. Well, I just want Jesus to do it. What do you mean change some things? Today, and I'm not going to tell you the whole story because I don't want it to go out on the Internet, but I'm just going to tell you this much. I had a great opportunity to lie today. And, 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 and it was there, and I was confronted with it, and I thought, you know, I could just lie and say this, and it might save me some grief. And I said, wait a minute. I'm not lying. I'm not even going to call it exaggeration. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to, I'm going to shock them. I'm going to tell them the truth and throw the truth out there and plead the mercy of God and let him work because the Holy Ghost isn't going to be working with me if I'm in a lie. And I got to have the Holy Ghost deliver me in this situation. So I'm going to just appeal to the power of God, stay in truth, and let God work. But there was a thought that came to me. Oh, if you lied, you could maybe ease the suffering some. Right? And I said, no, no, I'm not going to do it. Because if I do it, I'm getting, I'm taking myself out. And if I take myself out, well, then the Holy Ghost isn't there. All right? So I've got a whole bunch more stuff here. We'll just have to carry it out sometime. Other, other, um, I can't keep going because if I do, I'm going to get into more stuff and more stuff and we'll be here all night. I didn't realize this message was going to get this long. But anyway, I thought I just had a few points. But anyway, the, this one, I'm just telling you, let's just hang on to it, okay? Go into your own hearts, go into your own life, look at yourself and question yourself. Are you walking in the truth or are you walking in a lie? Are you walking in righteousness or are you walking in unrighteousness? Are you walking in God's will or are you walking in your will? Ask yourself those three questions. See where you are. And if you want the helper, the John 16 helper, Jesus said he was going to give to you. Well, then get your, your heart like a deer panting after the water. And you know what? He'll show up, start speaking to you, start leading you, start guiding you, start telling you everything that you need to know about life. Why things aren't working right, why this is going on, what's happening over here, where you need to go, how you need to adjust. And then you watch the miracles of God begin to flow into your life like a river. Amen. So, so let's stand up and uh, let me pray over you. Let me pray over your offerings tonight. Those of you watching, sending by 
airways, however that works. I know God's with you, so whatever you want to do, put your hand on your checkbook, put your hand on your, your, I don't know. It sounds strange to say, put your hand on your debit card and we're going to pray. I mean, that just doesn't, it really sounds odd, but I know that that's the way things work. You know, it just doesn't think, a piece of plastic just doesn't impress me as much as a $100 bill. But anyway, so praise God, put your hand on it. I'm going to pray over you, and the rest is your decision to get your heart where it needs to be. So, Father, I pray over everyone tonight. I just declare this message sinks into their hearts. I declare, the Lord, they grab hold of it. I declare, Lord God, that where they've been walking in deception, been walking in lies and manipulations, any of those things, the Lord, you deliver them of it tonight. And you show, us, show them the path that the Holy Spirit has for us to walk in this great place, this good place, this place where there's no fear, this place where there's, 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 there's no torment, this place where there's just joy and victory in the Holy Ghost, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, bless them this night. Bless their finances. I thank you, Lord God. Bless their businesses. These are miracle seasons, Lord. I declare that their finances are blessed, that you give people witty inventions. You do all kinds of miracles and miraculous things for them, Lord. And that you bring in finances from the north, the south, the east, and the west, that we continue to do your work. God, you are our great financier. So I declare your hand of blessing is upon the people this night. And Lord, we give you all of the praise for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church.